0: We all know bedside nursing is often completely underpaid, yet at the same time, nursing is one of the few degrees out there that can completely transform your socioeconomic status and be used to truly build wealth. Here at Confident Care Academy, we're obviously passionate about anesthesia as one of the path nurses can take to get into a new tax bracket, but Anesthesia is also not right for everyone and not everyone should have to go into anesthesia. In this episode today, we're going to talk about using social media to build wealth or build a brand as a nurse. We're going to give you five tips on how to generate income with social media and pitfalls to avoid. Before we dive into it, my name's Chrissy. I'm a certified registered nurse anesthetist. I've been practicing as a CRNA for the last six years. Before that, I was a CVICU nurse and I'm also a content creator. My name is Anna. I am now a
1: second year RRNA. That means I am in my second year of CRNA school. Prior to that, I was a travel nurse for about two and a half years working in COVID, MICU, trauma, even PACU. Worked pretty much all over the place. And as a staff nurse, I worked in CVICU as well. Chrissy and I met online in TikTok in the 2020 era. And we together have created a nurse education business, Confident Care Academy. We empower nurses every step of the way from new to ICU to heading into anesthesia school and beyond. We're really passionate about education. And between the two of us, we over the last two and a half years have built a following across platforms of over 450,000 followers. We have a podcast that is what you're listening to today. And we have really built a community that we are, we find so much meaning in connecting with. And we also want to pass along some of the lessons that we've learned to all of you who might be interested in building similar communities and who might be interested in utilizing and leveraging social media, as a tool to potentially build wealth and build a lot of friendships. So Chrissy, what would you say the first tip or the first lesson you have for people would be in relation to
0: being a nurse and being online? I think the absolute most important tip, if you're going to build a social media presence, whether that is as a content creator, influencer, or whether you start creating a personal brand to launch a business, you have to know your why it's really tough being consistent On social media, we all have lives off camera and it's also really challenging being in the public eye. There's always going to be backlash online. Even when you're doing the right thing, it can be really hard to be picked apart and put yourself out there. In order to keep showing up consistently and deliver the message you want to deliver, you have to know your motivation. You have to have a starting place that you're building from here at Confident Care Academy. It's safe to say that you guys are our why for every single piece of content that I create create, I am speaking to a younger version of myself, which is where I think it's safe to say almost all of you are right now. Sometimes I look back on the new to ICU content and I think about things that I struggled with as a new grad nurse or things that I know other nurses around me struggled with. When we're writing scripts for the podcast, we are writing scripts for people who are along different points in the journey. I liked what you said about staying
1: consistent. I think that's a huge takeaway from social media that it is something that is very much an accumulation over time. It is not something that happens in a day. You might experience what it feels like to have a video go viral. (laughs) And you might experience like, you know, all that dopamine hit of like, Oh my gosh, this video has blown up, but really showing up and then having a why for why you're showing up, whether it's to educate the general public, to connect with other nurses, I think really figuring out what your why is and then knowing that it's going to be something that you're just going to have to be consistent in. You need to show up every day or every week or every month, whatever consistency like looks like to you. I think it's helpful for frame of reference to know that it's something that takes a long time, right? Like, did you even think about that at the time as you were starting? Like,
0: Did you have your why completely ironed out when you first started, Chrissy? No. Actually, it's funny. In the beginning, my why was I had started a food blog and Instagram because I was learning plant-based cooking. And at the time, I couldn't find recipes that were flavorful enough or reasonable enough to create that... I enjoyed and so I had an account called Chrissy Goes Hippie and if you scroll back far enough on in my Instagram, you can still find those old posts and then I got on TikTok to share food recipes and then I kind of stumbled into like a trend that reminded me of my job as a CRNA. I posted like an anesthesia video that was silly and it blew up. And then I realized that people really wanted to know about this career and what a need there was for information. And then it reminded me of how little information there was for me when I was trying to figure out what being a CRNA was like or how to to become a CRNA, I should say. And then it really reminded me about how little I knew as a nurse. When I was an ICU nurse, I had just so many gaps and knowledge. And every day in CRNA school was just a light bulb moment for me about the information I wish I had back when I was a bedside nurse. So I kind of pivoted from creating food content to filling this need, not only for the audience that was requesting it, but also writing content for my former self. Every single piece of content that I write is designed to address a question that I had myself along the journey or that I know you guys are still having. And that's also, I think it's safe to say why we created the Company Care Academy membership. We also didn't have resources at the time. And that is why we created an entire video lecture library and discussion board for wraparound support so that we can give our younger selves and people who are in the same positions as us, the education and support that we wish we had. So that is my why. Chrissy goes hippie. I love it. So I feel like the podcast is the place
1: where you're really getting like the scoop of the lore, like Chrissy origin story type of stuff, (laughs) because this is stuff, you know, I mean, I didn't even know that the name of your food blog was Chrissy Goes Hippie. And it's so cool to see your why evolve over the last couple of years. I think I was the same in that I didn't initially come online to social media to immediately start educating other nurses. I think I initially reached out looking for community and I initially reached out on TikTok in 2020 as a COVID ICU nurse. And I was really trying to do two things. I think I was trying to learn how to make videos as kind of a distraction from how like rough things were in 2020. It was like a welcome distraction. And then I was trying to educate the general public about, you know, vaccines and COVID. And then I was also looking for community with other nurses who are going through the same thing. And over time, I think I really found that similar to you, Chrissy, like I love educating and then as my former self wanted all of these answers to these questions, I found myself making more and more content that was catered to like me three years ago. And I think that became my why, but I think it's important for people to know that you don't have to like, have this five point bullet plan on exactly who your target audience is before you start. It's okay to just get out there and start, whether that looks like a food blog or like making a little dance trend video. I think it's cool that both of us kind of like figured out our why along the way. But I do think just starting is something that happened for both of us. And so we like found our why as we were going along the way. You mentioned talking about how everything that you do and everything that you create is for Chrissy, like five years ago, or like Anna three to five years ago. So what can other people do as they're looking to start to make content in relation to thinking about like what other people want? Like what is an audience that you
0: should target and like what advice do you have there? That's probably the hardest question that every content creator or future content creator comes across because sometimes you don't know the answer until you're working through it, right? Just like knowing your why. But the most important thing is to know your audience. If you don't know your audience, if you don't know what they're looking for or who they are or what they're interested in. You can't be everything to everybody. It's important that you are creating with one specific person in mind. So, you know, again, for me, my audience is people who are along the journey that I've already been on. For you, your audience might be something totally different. I think it's important for people to realize that content creation contrary to popular belief is not about the creator at all. Even when we're consuming lifestyle content, you know, you see people who have like the perfect little houses and the perfect little cup of coffee in the morning. Or my favorite example is Alex Earl. Um, if you guys are on TikTok, I mean, she's blowing up on every platform. She's this like beautiful, young blonde woman who did she graduate? Yet she graduated from and Miami? she actually like made a whole scholarship she to the university of Miami, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, she's, she's really blown up on all these platforms. She's blowing up millions of followers and Alex Earl on the surface level. She was almost like a phenomenon that people were trying to study. They're like, why is everyone obsessed with this blonde girl? Like, is it just because she's white and blonde and pretty? Like, what is it that she offers? And when we look at content creators like this, it's easy for us to say like, oh, it's just because you know, they're beautiful. And they're aspirational. But I think that people like Alex Earl offer something much more than that by her showing up consistently and being a really good storyteller, she's providing a sense of a parasocial friendship. You actually feel included in her life. Like you're behind the scenes or part of the friend group. If you're a loyal follower and you keep coming back. And at the end of the day, what people crave most is friendship and connection. I completely agree. So Even lifestyle influencers yeah, they're not really creating about themselves. They're still creating something for you to consume. It's so interesting in relation to like
1: lifestyle content in general, because I think when you first start making content, you show up online and you see the people who make lifestyle content, like get ready with me for my first day in the OR. Okay. Well, it's actually not about your first day in the OR. It is about person who is applying to CRNA school Them picturing themselves going into the first day in the OR. You're answering a question for them, right? And it's not really about you or me as the creator and like what my experiences are. And I think there's some value to like levels of vulnerability and sharing your life online and also showing up as especially representation for some underrepresented in online groups. So like if you are not the Alex Earl and you're showing up living a life that somebody else would aspire to. I think there's a lot of value in that, but overall it circles back to like, being unselfish as a content creator, I think is a really good framework. It's like, okay, I'm making this for other people. And what questions do they have? How can I answer their questions? And how does even lifestyle content like answer a question? And I think that you, Chrissy and Stacy, both to me answer a few of my questions of like, okay, what is my life going to be like after CRNA school? I want to see what the life of Chrissy CRNA is like, because I want to know if what I'm doing right now in school is like worth it. Right. So I think it's interesting to kind of think about content from that perspective of like being unselfish as like a content creator. And like, do you feel like that has shifted your perspective about like what types of content you'll make like trends versus like high yield question and answer? Like, do you feel like that shifted the way that you like
0: approach content over the last couple of years? Um, I think that it's, (laughs) uh, okay. So if I had like endless amounts of time and I could just completely clone myself, I would probably create different content than what I'm making now, or I should say more content that's different in addition to what I'm making now. So Yes, I would continue doing question and answer style content because I like answering people's questions. And if you have that question, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people have that same question. So I think it's very valuable and high yield to do that. I do like making the mini vlogs where I show a day in life because I do think it's important for people to be able to picture not only what their life could look like if they're going to become a CRNA, but also what a CRNA does. I think it's really important for the general public to know that we exist and that we are highly trained and educated and that we take really great care of people when they're under anesthesia. But I also think it's okay to include the silly fun trends or dances or voiceovers I think people initially might see that as not providing value or being young or a waste of time. But to me, being able to see a person you admire as a little silly or doing something that's relatable or something that speaks to a younger audience, perhaps provides value in a different way also. And I like how you said it, Anna, about kind of humanizing, I guess you didn't use this term, but it's almost like humanizing the experience, right? You don't want to just stay on a pedestal and like portray yourself as the perfect, you know, all knowing, all powerful (laughs) professional on social media. I mean, you can, but no, it's not relatable. (laughs) I, I think the age of the influencer truly has died and has Been replaced by the age of the content creator. And what I mean by that is, you know, influencers are very like 2012 Instagram, like perfect photos, perfect grids, perfect feeds, the perfect travel blogger. Like, you know, you looked at your feed on social media and everything was picture perfect and it was all aspirational and we knew nothing about the person's flaws. And then like enter Emma Chamberlain era and she's kind of just like documenting herself along the way and Victoria Paris and we're just seeing like messy action and more relatable videos and that kind of style has really captured the audience. And then we entered like the era of 2020, like dancing doctors on TikTok, and they were criticized at first, but it's just so important that we humanize ourselves. And it really comes down to that. Like no trust funnel. If you're going to create content on social media, you need the reach content. So people like see you, they experience you, they like you. So that might be public facing education. Um, I think about, Gosh, I can't think of her handle. Jen. Oh, the yeah. She's, she's from very TikTok. sweet. Yeah. I love her. Um, I cannot think of her handle. I like for the it's Jen or of something. Her my brain is Jen. Uh, uh, hmm. It's, it's nurse Jen, Jen, maybe. Okay. We'll, yeah, we'll tag, we'll tag it. We'll tag it and we'll like pop her she's name got, up like, on the over screen. like a million followers. Um, or, like, she's blown up for sure. Oh, way more than that now. So many. And because she has really great public facing content where she does really easy to understand education about labor and delivery, but she also has humanizing content where she shows us her chickens and then she talks about her kids or maybe does something like silly or funny or relatable. So we get to know her better. And then she has occasional vulnerable posts where she'll open up about her own life or insecurities or messiness. And that's where we get to really trust her. And that is kind of like the magic recipe to building any sort of community on. You want content that's going to be curated and smart and scripted and you know, intentional, but you also want people to get to know you. And that might look like funny trends or, you know, day in the life posts, and then you need them to trust you. And it is important to have a smidge of vulnerability in there. I mean, maybe not too much. We don't want to like trauma dump on our audience or like, you know, traumatize them <laughs> by sharing everything, but a little bit of insight into the behind the scenes is humanizing it.
1: Yeah. Before we move on to the next point, I want to kind of define a few of the terms that Chrissy and I have watched I want to say like hundreds of hours of YouTube about like the psychology of social media. If you don't know, Chrissy has like a separate undergrad degree and has taken a lot of psychology classes. And we've also watched a lot of content about on YouTube about like content creation and like the kind of industry side of social media so like if this is one of the first podcasts you're listening to to define some of these terms reach content will be content that is a trending trend on TikTok and it's usually short like 4 to 6 seconds and you are doing a trend or you are doing something that is agitational or something that you think is going to get a large viewership. The viewership is not necessarily your audience, but that would be classified as like reach content, something that's like a trend. It has a chance to blow up. That would be something that is like reach content. There are a couple of other types of content that fall into that like, no trust kind of flow that you're trying to work on as a creator. And the like comes from people seeing your content and resonating with it in some way. Maybe that's you being you know, a little educational or they find some value in whatever you're making, whether it's a lifestyle video day in the life of a nursing student, I'm a nursing student and I like this video or it is a, you know, some other type of content where you're providing some sort of value. That's the like category. The no category is then seeing kind of your expertise on a subject. That would be where you do Q and A's. I do Q and A's every single Thursday on my Instagram. And that is connecting with the audience, but it's also... Providing a lot of like free value, and then trust is where it comes into play of people trusting you over time, and of you showing up consistently, and of you choosing to be a little bit vulnerable online. So that's kind of an interesting psychology framework that I think is kind of helpful for people to think about sometimes as they are like building a community. And again, like the most important thing is to just start. <laughs> Don't let all of these terms and like classifications start you from stop you from just starting. Which I feel like really leads into the next point, which we about to get into. So, you know, your why, you know, your audience. And now the next thing is to just start and to embrace the cringe, right? Oh my gosh. So the thing is, is when you start making content, you're not going to be good at it. It's going to take a long time and you have to be okay with showing up online to a potentially massive audience. And not having the best video editing skills, potentially being wrong about something. And you have to be okay to show up and to just start. Chrissy, what was it like for you to like embrace the cringe, if you will?
0: Uh, it was hard. I definitely did a lot of like, when this was... Okay, by the way, guys, everyone's going to cringe at this now. But at the time, it's what you did. On TikTok, there was a lot of like, There'd be music in the background, and you'd point, and like a bubble would come up, like your talking points, right? Like pointing over music or like trending dances was the thing. TikTok started out as a different app called Musically. And so it was based on a sound first and then like fun little crazy edits. And then it became TikTok, which, you know, so the primary way people created content on tiktok was through music trends funny editing style and dancing so i would like have a little like trending dance simplified because i am not a dancer you guys and you know then i would like make my point you about take dance classes not really you, you go you do, okay, you do salsa. salsa i could stay on a beat but i'm not like a hip-hop dancer <laughs> Or like a (laughs) contemporary dancer. Uh, I'm no Charlie D'Amelio, but I'll say this. It was a lot of fun and it helped me get comfortable with being uncomfortable really quickly. People made fun of me at work. People made fun of me all the time, but I just got good at being okay with being made fun of, which is something that I was never really able to do before. And I knew that it was important to keep going because it was providing a lot of value. I still have these old videos that keep recycling and blowing up where it's one of my first videos. I'm like talking about a crna schedule and i hate it every time it cycles back but it's it's going viral again for like the 85th time i'm like this is brutal you guys from like november of 2019 but that's okay (laughs) it's good though it's important for us to get comfortable with being uncomfortable i feel like that is like the big takeaway of
1: embracing the cringe right i think a lot of people especially in critical care And especially, well, just nurses in general, right? Like you got into the profession because at some point you wanted to help other people. People who want to help other people often are people pleasers, right? Like we're looking for affirmation from other people that we're doing a good job. A lot of times we maybe place a little too much value on other people's opinions of us. So to show up online and to have a video get misinterpreted and you to get ripped apart, or even for you to just show up and do a cringy dance and then you walk into work and then people are like giggling and like talking about you. Oh my gosh. Like that is going to be a big learning curve, right? Like you are going to inherently like have to be okay with putting something out into the world and then letting go of how it's perceived. Like you, you, can no longer control it once it's up there, which really, I think does circle back to like, you do need to practice caution with what you say online. Like definitely think before you post, but if you posted a little dance and you're not a great dancer and people are going to judge you for not being a great dancer, so be it. That's no longer, (laughs) that's no longer your problem. Right? So I think for me as a people pleaser showing up or like a recovering people pleaser showing up online in 2020 and 2021 and beyond, I feel like helped me grow as a person a lot faster to be okay with not every single person liking me, right? Especially like if you do public facing education stuff, like if you are telling people that you need to wash your hands and get vaccines, that's apparently controversial in United States of America, like (laughs) that's not going to be well-received by everybody. And you're going to have to be okay with standing behind your values, right. And standing up for like what you know is right. Even if it's not always well-received, like, did you ever receive some backlash for anything that you like stand 10 toes down
0: in COVID or otherwise Chrissy? In the early days of COVID. Oh guys, this is going to grind my gears. Here's a little bit of lore coming, coming your way. I'm about to drop some tea on some, uh, some of the nurse talk tea of social media. So in the beginning, when COVID first hit the US, I was keeping up to date on every article that came out. I read every single thing that came out of the UK. I read every single thing that was just being written internationally at all. And I was bringing it to my hospital. Anything that I thought was useful, I was sending to the critical care department in my hospital, but I was also sharing on social media. And I think I did grow a little bit of my following during that time in that way. But eventually I got really tired of the education going viral and hitting the trolls of the internet. While I was simultaneously working on the front lines, I was showing up at work. I was constantly on airway call, intubating all of our COVID, patients in the trauma ORs, dealing with all of the horrible things that were rolling in as a result of the effects of COVID-19. And then also helping out in the ICUs. We were taking shifts in the ICUs, um, helping manage the patient, working with respiratory therapy. They were super short staff in the nurses. So that was very emotionally draining for me. And then having my content consistently get picked apart and going viral with the wrong side of the internet, I just stopped posting about COVID-19 content because I couldn't handle it anymore. Then proceeded to get backlash from some of the COVID warrior nurses of TikTok who came onto TikTok after me, had no idea that I used to post that content, and criticized me in a private friends only post for not being like a, you know, public facing COVID-19 lecturer like they were, like they were like on some pedestal. By the way, none of them had worked with COVID-19 patients at all. They were all like work from home people. Like I was horrified. <laughs> like, like you guys aren't even in the hospital. Like go home. And it it was really hard for me. I was getting a divorce at the time. My grandfather was dying. Um it was, it was like literally Christmas.
1: It was literally Christmas Eve as well. It was
0: <laughs> yeah, it was Christmas. And so not only did I get like, have to deal with the backlash from strangers on the internet, which I did eventually grow thick skin for and get used to. But then I also had to deal with backlash from my own community, people who were on the same team, were sharing the same message. Like it was so hard for me to not be liked by my nursing colleagues or be criticized by them, especially in a point when I was extremely emotionally fragile from everything I was dealing with at the same time. So that was tough. Um, but it taught me a lot. I think there's two
1: takeaways there, right? Like, or two things that I take away from that story. One is that it is okay to protect your mental health. Like if you are working in COVID every single day for 60 hours a week, it's okay actually to come home and make a TikTok about, you know, the butter chicken that you wa- that you had that night or a movie that you just watched. You, you, Especially if you are going through something that is like really difficult, you do not have to make content that is also going to like further be hard for your mental health, right? It's okay to take care of yourself. I think the second takeaway is that sometimes standing up for yourself and standing like 10 toes down on your values, like isn't always going to be well-received by everyone. And like a takeaway of that is even within educating the general public about like our profession, anesthesia, I'm a student and Chrissy, you're now a CRNA. Sometimes even just us Talking about our lives and about their profession isn't well received by certain parts of Reddit, right? Like, and and that's, God, that's I, I have something. A, a,
0: like every other month, I'm on R Noctur. If you guys want yeah. to just take a gander and scroll, you'll see my face there. Like every like I don't know twenty or thirty posts. So okay. if there's just cycle like the the same creators over and over again.
1: Well, and so like if you're a CRNA and you're not on R Nocter, like you haven't made it yet. Like you got it. So there's a level of And I say that, I say, I say that with, you know, uh, as like a laugh, but I think the takeaway there is that you can be educating the general public you can be educating people and empowering people just talking about your profession and it's not going to be well received by everybody all the time and that really circles back to like you have to know your values and stick behind them and take care of your mental health and then also be okay with not being universally well liked by everyone on the internet but then also take away from that oh my gosh a thicker skin incredible and then a couple of other skills right like i think some of the Skills we've taken away from being online in the last couple of years. I didn't know how to set up a lighting setup or how to use cameras or like post audio production editing for sound, right? Like these skills are really cool. And there's something that you can like take away from using them just on social media. And you can use that in other ways, like not only just, and I think we're about to talk about monetizing social media. And I think it is important that you really have the, this framework first. If so you need to know your why so that you can stand 10 toes down in your why and then like stick behind your education or your empowerment of other people. So really know like why you're doing what you're doing and then you need to know your audience and then you need to be okay with not always being well-received because you are standing behind your values. But also some of the skill sets that you're going to take with you are super applicable and
0: also can open doors for you financially as well. Right? Oh, it's so true. And so not only can it open doors for you financially, but sometimes nurses, nurses are the most flexible people on the planet, I am convinced. And they're also the fastest learners. So you might not have the skill right away, but I know that if you've ever worked bedside nursing, you can pick it up quick because how many times in a shift do you have to figure out new equipment on the fly, a new medication you haven't heard of, and you learn it in 30 seconds and like can turn around and execute something safely. Nurses can handle anything I'm sure of it before. we get into the last two tips of the episode, we have a bonus tip.
1: And that is brought to you by the sponsor of today's episode, Metricool. The bonus tip
0: is to get organized. It's so true, Anna. When you fail to plan, you really can plan to fail. Here at CCA, we are all about getting organized. We have to stay on top of things. It is just not sustainable for us to be full-time working, full-time grad students, and also run our content creation empire. We use Metrical in order to schedule our videos to automatically post ahead of time and across multiple platforms at once. That's what allows us to be constantly creating our short form video, as well as our confident care Academy membership and our podcast. So for example, the way that Metrical works is that
1: I participate in batch filming. I will sit down one day and film four to 10 videos. Metrical allows me to schedule those videos to publish on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube shorts, and even Pinterest. And this is something that allows for me to have the peace of mind to go be a full-time anesthesia student. I really couldn't do it without Metricool. I've been using Metricool myself for over a year and a half now. It's a product that allows you to really do both, right? You can manage content creation and uploading even early in the morning, which I think is great because your video might be the first thing that people see. And then I can go to class with a peace of mind knowing that all of the content has been
0: uploaded across platforms. I think that's such a key takeaway by using that auto scheduling feature. It allows you to post consistently, even on the days that you're busy, like you're in class and, and continue to provide value to people. We also use Metricool to look at our analytics, which is another really important part of becoming a content creator that helps us figure out what's working and what isn't. We've been using Metricool for about two years now, so we can authentically recommend this to you guys. Metricool is free to use for content creators, but as our content creation is evolving and expanding, we use Metricool's premium upgrades in order to use more advanced analytics tools and to post to even more platforms. Check out the link in our description to get the premium plans for
1: free for 30 days for any of the premium plans. We really can't recommend this tool enough. Um, Having our analytics in one location really helps us to interface with brands as we are working out content creation deals. And it gives us peace of mind to know that all of our content is getting uploaded across platforms. Again, the tool is free itself, and you can try out the free premium plan
0: using the link in bio. I think that really brings us into that next point we wanted to talk about with monetizing. Anna, how do you like to approach monetizing and interfacing with brands? This is my big takeaway For every nurse out there,
1: especially if you're a woman and especially if you struggle with being a people pleaser, negotiate like a Chad. (laughs) If there's a a CVICU nurse bro named Chad, do you think that he would tell himself no? Do you think that he would be somebody who's not going to ask a brand for financial compensation to
0: make an ad? No. Chad would ask to get paid and so should you. (laughs) Absolutely. And Chad would also charge what he's worth. If you I think a big misunderstanding that people who are not in the content creation space have is they look at following count and think that is what price point is based off of, but brands actually care much more about engagement. Brands are going to see have much more successful ad campaigns by dealing with medium to small size content creators because their audience really knows them and trusts with them and engages with their content and is more likely to buy from them than if they are looking at a major celebrity who's posting a product, for example. So it's not all about the vanity metrics. You don't have to have a big following to charge what you're worth. If you are a professional on social media, you have a professional license behind your name. You automatically have some authority in the public eye. And even with a small following, if you're providing value and consistently engaging with your community and they know you and they like you and they trust you, you have engagement, which is the most valuable piece. The very first takeaway from
1: that is regardless of the size of platform that you have, I would say you really shouldn't ever be doing brand promotional work for free. Even if you have a small Instagram account, if you have a small TikTok, you need to know that you are replacing the cost of a whole brand shoot by doing this for them, right? So if you negotiate a brand deal, and let's say that you have 2,000 Instagram followers, and it's just friends and family and other nurses, right? And you agree to do a photo shoot or an Instagram reel for a brand, they're replacing the cost of videography, photography, onset designer uh, people the talent who's going to act director, post-production editing, um, yeah, audio processing, you're doing the job of like, close to 10 people by doing an ad for them and that is valuable regardless of the following that you have so I'd really encourage everyone to not do anything for free even if you have a small community at the time that you start to get into this I would also encourage people even if you know that there are brand deals that you want to incorporate into your audience and is very aligned with your community I'll say this so like if you're a travel nurse, working with a travel nursing agency that you've worked with in the past. That's very aligned and it's going to, Be a good fit for your audience, right? Um, dietary supplements, like not so much. (laughs) And we'll talk about that in a little bit here, but I would say really like you shouldn't ever work for free, especially because a one Instagram reel, if you're doing it for a brand deal, there's no way that it's going to take less than like five to 10 hours to do that. And your, your time is worth money, even if you don't have a very large following at the time that you're getting started. So like how to gauge all of this, like, do you have any lessons that you've learned over the last two years, Chrissy, because like they don't teach this in
0: nursing school, right? Like charging for brand integrations. (laughs) So if you have like the, the tiniest following, so, okay, there's other things that you should also be charging for as well, like access to your community, the fact that their post is taking up space on your page. If they're planning to recycle it as their own ad content, um, white advertising rights, all these things you should be charging for usage fees. But I think a good way to start thinking about it, if you've never done a brand deal, if you have the tiniest following on the planet is to at minimum, just be charging for your hourly labor as a starting point. So your time could be spent just as easily with fewer back and forths, et cetera, et cetera, as a nurse working overtime on the unit or picking up a per diem shift. So what's your overtime rate? What's your per diem rate? Let's say it's hundred dollars an hour, the emailing back and forth to the brand, the concept, any reshoots, re edits, post-production, posting time, caption, writing, responding to comments, calculate the number of hours it's going to cost you and think about accepting no less than what your overtime or per diem rate would be hundred dollars an hour. Start there. I think that's
1: fair. Start there. I really don't think any nurse should ever accept less than $500 for anything ever. (laughs) Like that should be your base lowest entry point. I wouldn't, I I don't think someone would even like, I actually think that's still too low. I I I actually think that's still too too low, right? I
0: would would probably never accept less than a thousand because you're going to also have community engagement, commenting, reposting, sharing to stories. And again, guys, a good rule of thumb is if they're going to have usage rights, meaning they get to like, you give them access to, to boost your post and to, you know, recycle that content. We charge them 30% of the initial cost of the post each month that per they month. have usage rights for it. And then usually we limit your the amount image of months. and likeness,
1: right? So right. they're using your face as an ad for their company, for however long they allow you to do that, or for however long you allow them to do that. We charge about 20 to 30% of the base charge of the post per month that they're using our face as an ad on their account. Usually we give three to six months of usage rights where they can run it as like Facebook ads and stuff like that. There's a lot here. I will I will say this as well. Um, we, start, we talked about engagement. Engagement is really everything. And also knowing your hourly rate is a lot as well. So like I would say if you're a CRNA or you're a nurse practitioner, or you're a travel nurse and it takes you at least 10 hours to do a post, you know, like it's $100 an hour is what you're making as a travel nurse or as a CRNA, right? Or if you're working as a staff nurse and you're making, you know, like $40 an hour, calculate your overtime rate and then go from there as like the base to make a post. So again, like brands really can see nurses as people who are like people pleasers and are really nice. I know that like I, the very first brand deal that I did, Oh my gosh, like never do this guys. So I made a brand deal or I made a video talking about how I was choosing travel contracts with a certain agency. They asked if they could just use it and they gave me a hoodie and the, the video literally got like 2 million views and I took a hoodie oh and I didn't God. give them like parameters on usage. And I, that was, I, that, that, I, from that experience, I knew that I needed to learn a lot. So I went to YouTube and I watched hours and hours and hours of videos about how do I price myself? What should I charge for usage? What should I charge for whitelisting? And we can list in the description, a couple of the channels that we thought were really helpful, but at the very least you should never work for free.
0: I want to add really quick one exception to this is if you're working for like a really small business and you want to do like a product for promo about something you authentically care about or a good cause that you care about, um, I will do posts, either cheaper or I have done free posts for organizations that I'm very passionate about, or again, like small business owners. That's something that is a completely different story. I think that you could look at that as almost like volunteer time. So if it's something you'd be happy to volunteer for, to support, then of course, please do that. There is kind of a problem right now with content creators, almost like taking advantage of small businesses at the same time. So we, we don't want to swing the other way either. Like that's happening in the travel industry right now. But, um, you know, for, for big companies that have real marketing budgets, please charge what you're worth. Because again, like Anna said, if they were charging for a magazine space, TV time, running ads across Google, YouTube, or really anything other than what they're paying you to do, it would cost them 10 times more.
1: But I, I recently did a, Uh, it was like a CRNA owned scrub cap company. I like did a promo for them because like they had like gone to my school, and I thought and I do a lot of like union education. Do that for free because I think it's a like value set that I'm very much aligned with. But I do think that like nurses definitely should know their worth, know that they shouldn't be working for free. And if you do something for free as like a volunteer basis, just view it as like volunteer work to try to like help out a cause that you're passionate about. But again, like, like, and actually I am in agreement with you, Chrissy, like you said, you can do volunteering. And then like, if they have a marketing budget, charge them. And I think that's like a good takeaway. And then as far as like pricing, things are like constantly changing. We can link in the description, a couple of the channels that we like learned a lot more about this, but at baseline, we'll say like, don't work for free, charge your worth, at least charge your hourly, and then definitely encounter usage and use uh, usage of your image and likeness account for all of that as you're pricing yourself out. I will also say this before we get into the next point. I mean, the last tip is don't overextend yourself. I think when you first dive into this, you can like end up on like user generated content, TikTok, you can pitch yourself to like 40 different brands. And then all of a sudden you can find yourself very lost in the sauce, if you will, of like, every time you show up to create something, it's for an ad integration. And then you're not creating your own content very much. I'd be like very slow, as you onboard brand deals and just like really make sure that they're aligned with your value sets, which really does lead into talking point number five, which is the last point. And that's to hold the line and stick up for what you believe in. So like, what do you have to say, Chrissy, as you are a master's prepared nurse anesthetist and what's it mean to show up like with
0: integrity online in relation to like brand deals and everything else? What does that mean to you? I mean, it's, it's very tempting to make content that is Trendy that you know will perform well, but maybe doesn't a hundred percent line up with your professional integrity. I know a lot of social media creators in the medical space, when they get big enough, might promote supplements that aren't evidence based or might talk about trending topics that aren't truly in their zone of expertise. I do think it's very important to stay in your lane. Other, you know, temptations again, like with brand deals, it's so easy to just like keep accepting them and then saturate your page. But you've, again, you're creating for your audience. You're creating for your community. You have to know your why for being on there. So if that kind of honeypot starts to make you stray away from your why and your people, then people are going to stop resonating with it. And they're going to lose trust in you. And they're, they're, to because they feel community with you in the first place. So it's really important to, again, like we're very picky with brand deals, like only recommending products we actually like and use. So, you know, MetroCool was today's sponsor. We've been using it for two years. We love it. And we don't think it's a ripoff. I mean, it's, it's it really product. has helped us. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and we wouldn't recommend it to you guys otherwise. And you'll never see us
1: promoting like dietary supplements with like no evidence. And I think like really pacing yourself as you're onboarding brand deals. And then like you said, Chrissy, like the whole reason that you're online is for the community that you feel and build with other people. And like you said, I think it was a really great point. Like if you disconnect from that community and you kind of like betray your own values, like your community is going to sense that. And then they're not really going to resonate with you anymore. And like, that's the whole reason that like they gave you a platform. Right. And then if you're kind of like not in alignment with your, the values of your community anymore, like what are you without that community? You know? So like, just be very cautious as you are accepting either brand deals or participating in certain
0: trends. I would say definitely like, like your is on the line. What you post on the internet lives forever. And so like, you will make mistakes and say dumb stuff. Like I'm sure I have, and I've definitely made mistakes on the internet before, but I try to think about my content representing me as a human, but also like, am I comfortable with my patients seeing it? Like I am also still a professional. Once that name is out there on the internet, I now represent my profession as well. Yeah.
1: So speaking of patients and on the internet, like wow, this is such a topic here. <laughs> um, patients are on TikTok, right? Patients are on Instagram. So how should medical professionals present themselves online? Because I, I think that we really need to be bearing in mind that patients can see everything that you post and they are seeing everything that you post. So I think there's a huge like disconnect sometimes in what some Medical professionals post on social media and what they find to be comedy, and what like resonates with the audience. Like, okay, so what are some takeaways? Like, let's say you're a nurse, you want to make content on TikTok, and you also want to do the right thing. Like, are there some things to avoid in terms of like bearing in mind that patients are seeing everything that you're posting?
0: Don't make fun of patients. Yeah, don't make, don't fun make fun of, fun of meds. Patients. Don't make jokes about sedating patients who are in or psychiatric pain. episodes. Or pain. Yeah. It's not or funny. Minimizing their pain. It's just not funny. It's not, it's cute. not funny.
1: Also don't make fun of <sighs> also- <laughs> new grads. Like all the students. All these- don't make fun of the med students. Don't make fun of the med students. If your joke centers somebody else being in a vulnerable position, it's not a joke and you shouldn't make it on the internet. And you also it's not funny. So like avoid all of that content. Don't make it out of your own self-preservation because the internet is forever, but it's also the wrong thing to do. So jokes like that, the only time that it's like a joke that it's acceptable, if it's like something about yourself, like, Oh, I'm like drinking coffee because I'm tired because I'm going into night shift. Like that joke is fine. It's not really a joke if I'm like, oh, I'm drinking my fourth coffee because I hate my patients. That's not a joke at that point. <laughs> you know what you say, like if yeah. it's self-deprecating humor, okay to a certain extent. I would just be very cautious with like the medical humor category in general. Just
0: don't make fun of patients. It's don't just, make fun it's of patients. Starting point. Also, um, also along that same vein, I was gonna say, don't share patients' stories in detail mm. because patients don't want to be exploited for content. Hot take. Hot Uh, take. It might be Tuesday for you and like a crazy story or an impactful experience or really great content, but it's also the most traumatic day of a person's life. Like, I feel like if I you know, why you guys have like heard this story a million times at this point, like my sister died in 2013, right before I became a nurse. And it was like a very dramatic scene with like the EMTs showing up and like we were doing CPR in the home. And then like, we went to the hospital and they worked on her on the ER for like hours. And like, and it was just like very traumatic, the whole experience. If I had like gone onto social media, at some point in time, like later that day and, or even in the following weeks or months, and then saw like the EMT talking about how crazy it was to show up at my house or like the ER nurse being like, damn, like this patient, blah, blah, blah. Like I could just imagine my heart sinking into my stomach. And I get really frustrated when I see social media professionals going too into detail about patient stories on social media. Like, yeah, you're protecting their identity. Yeah. No HIPAA laws are violated, but if the story is specific enough, they're going to know you were talking about them or their family. Like there's only so many patients in that scenario in a certain time frame in a certain region, right? Like people will know you're talking about them and it's, it's wrong.
1: I honestly like avoid talking about patient specifics, um, online. I think that it's inherently, it's kind of exploitative, right? Like you said, it's like somebody else's worst day. And then what's the outcome from that? Like, are you using that story to get some clout on the internet and get a bunch of clicks? Cause it was a crazy case. Or are you disseminating your emotional process to something or providing education? And I think that you can provide education. And I think that you can provide vulnerability without case specifics, that are super specific. Right. So like I have said online, like I used to work with transplant patients and I've had like young patients die. And that was really hard for me. Cause I tried to do like everything I could. And that was hard. That is vague enough that Broad. it's not, it's not, I didn't even say like the type of organ it was or like how old they were. And the takeaway was like my emotional, like impact from that. Not, I had a 17 year old double lung transplant who got four coolers of blood and blood out, da 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 da. That's specific enough that the mom would see that story and know that that was like her son or daughter, right? You can say like, okay, well, I had uh, my first heart transplant patient, and it was really cool for me because I have a grandfather who got a heart transplant, and it was cool to be a part of that process. That's broad, that's fine. Or you can say something along the lines of like, I had an ARDS patient and I learned da 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 da, da, da about the disease process. But really just keep it super vague because if there's a chance that somebody's mom is gonna see that and know that you're talking about that case, you might make her worst day ever even worse and like exploit that worst day for a couple of clicks. And that's just like, I think very icky. So don't do it. And you might have like good intentions. Like you might think that you're helping educate by giving a bunch of case specifics, but I would just say, keep it extremely broad in general. And you can talk about a disease process and educate about a disease process without giving patients specifics so that somebody's mom knows that you're talking about them. Right? So just in general, We'll say holding on to, and this all circles back to like holding on to your values and knowing your why and like trying to show up online as your authentic self, but also like as a good, honestly, like representation of yourself and your values and of the profession as a whole,
0: right? Like, especially if you show up in scrubs, that means something at the end of the day. I love that we keep accidentally circling back to point number one, knowing your why. It's just so true. We are really grateful for the community that we have here at Confident Care Academy. Even though our primary goal is to help people who are along different points in their journey to becoming nurses, becoming critical care nurses, and or becoming CRNAs, we have been through highs and lows with you guys too. And we really appreciate all of the support that you have given us in turn. We want to support you guys in all of your endeavors, whether it be entrepreneurship, going to CRNA school, or just falling in love with bedside nursing and feeling empowered. That's again, why we have the confident care Academy membership. So we can help you next week. We're going to be talking about induction of anesthesia. Make sure you like, and subscribe this episode. So you don't miss out. We'll see you then.